The following is a message from the pulpit of Parkside Baptist Church in Mesquite, Texas, led by Pastor Mike Wells. I compliment the men for singing. I tell you, I think we sounded good enough to make our own CD. That's what I think. I think that uh, perhaps even we could go on tour across America and, uh, and, and starve to death. But, you know... Jonah chapter 3, if you will. Jonah chapter 3, and uh, we have been studying the will of God. Uh, We talked about running from the will of God. Of course, now, the book of Jonah, as I have broken it down for us to be able to uh, understand and grasp in simplicity is this. Jonah chapter 1, you have the story of Jonah running away from God. Jonah chapter 2, you have uh, the story of Jonah running away to God. Jonah chapter 3, running with God, and Jonah chapter 4, running ahead of God. Uh, As we have talked about the will of God, I think there would be no individual uh, in the Bible other uh, than perhaps uh, maybe one or two that's in the New Testament that you can really be able to study the life of and be able to see really in a simplistic way what it is and how important it is to be in the will of God than that which is the character of Jonah. Remain seated, but let me read this scripture to you. We're in Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Now the word of the Lord came on to Jonah the second time saying, now thank God that God is a God of second chances. Uh, Some of you in your life, you've experienced that. By the way, some of you in your life have experienced third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances and sixth chances. Those that are older, maybe 70th chances and 80th chances. And so thank God for that. But now uh, it would have been far better. It would have been far better for those that were at Nineveh and it would have been far better for Jonah if he just would obey God the first time would have been far better. The Bible says, and the word of the Lord came on to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, uh, go to Nineveh, that great city, and it talks about preaching unto them uh, that I bid thee. And so the Bible teaches that God had a message, and wherever God has a message, God has a messenger to be able to bring that truth. I've been preaching a little over now, 36 years. I am so glad that there was a day when God called me, and even though I was frightful about it, fearful about it, boy, I'm just so glad I said yes. Uh, And I'm glad I've just kind of stayed in the center of God's will that God has for me. There's no better place in all uh, of your life that you ought to be than dead center in the will of God. And so uh, notice here, Jonah, I'll give a little bit of review. Uh, Jonah's name simply means dove. Uh, of course, he was uh, uh, Jonah the Amittite, and uh, that simply means, the Amittite simply means truth or telling truth. Very appropriate that a prophet would tell the truth. Uh, but you see, he's a reluctant prophet. Uh, the book of Jonah deals more so about him, the prophet, than it does about prophecy. And so we understand that this is a book dealing with an individual and the individual's response to that which is the call of God. I said this, that he is very hesitant uh, to go over to, if you would please, uh, uh, the major city of the Assyrians. And it might be because he never left home before. That could be a part of it. Uh, It might be because of their cruelty. Uh, they, much like the Romans, became experts in the matter of persecuting people, 
even unto death. Uh, oftentimes they would put people on stakes. I'll not be graphic. Uh, you can look it up on your own. Uh, but oftentimes they would put people on stakes. And as you're coming into the city of Nineveh, there would be bodies on stakes as you're coming into the city of those that had gone against the Assyrians. Well, Jonah knew that. Uh, Jonah didn't really care for the Assyrians, and sometimes we wind up needing to uh, reach people and love people and try and help people uh, that you and your own self might not say, well, you know, I, I really don't care to do that. It might be because of fear. It might be because of something else. You'll see the city had about 1,500 towers in it at the time. Uh, it was uh, about uh, 48 miles in duration. There's about 120, we believe 120 children, because in uh, Jonah chapter 4, verse 11, it talks about how there was those that did not know their left hand from their right hand. So uh, there's the possibility that these were children that God's talking about. Uh, they were not just old enough to kind of figure that out, you know, couldn't figure out the left hand from the right hand. There's 120 thousand of them. Most of the people that studied Jonah, the book of Jonah and history at that time would tell you that the city was about 600,000 people. Uh, that's a big city. Uh, the Bible talks about there's much cattle there also. Jonah chapter 4 verse 11 talks about the children and the cattle. We know that God called Jonah uh, we see Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3, uh, but Jonah rose up to flee from the, tar uh, it says, uh, unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So when the call came, he decided not to obey. He decided he was not going to listen to God or obey him. Matter of fact, the Bible says he fled from the presence of the Lord. In that very same verse, Jonah chapter 1 and verse 3, the Bible says he went down to Joppa and he paid the fare, the ship going to Tarshish. And he, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it uh, to go with them onto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I said this the other week that whenever somebody decides not to do the will of God, more often than not, it's a downward spiral turn. Uh, you find out Jonah is alone uh, in the belly of the ship. Much like later, he'll be alone in the belly of the big fish, the whale. Uh, I, I said that God uh, is the one that prepared uh, the whale, as the Bible talks about that in the Bible, how God had prepared this great fish to be able to take care of Jonah. Now, can I tell you, uh, God is the one that blesses. God is the one that provides the way. And it's best always to go God's way. You know, somebody said, you really believe that God prepared a fish to be able to gobble up Jonah? Uh, you compare that to the submarines that we have out today that man has prepared. Uh, you'll have 100 to 300 people that are on those submarines. If man can do something like that, don't you think God also could prepare something to hold one person. Uh, can you imagine Jonah is down there? He's all uh, got the acids that's eating away at his skin. Uh, you know, uh, perhaps Jonah thought this, I don't want to go down to Nineveh. They're not going to listen to me. I mean, I'm not going to be able to get a crowd, but I promise you after the acid had eaten away at the outer layers of his skin, uh, he didn't look like, if you would please, uh, somebody that would come from his area 
Oh no, it had whitened his skin, bleach white, maybe kind of spotty here and spotty there as acid would do. And so uh, here he comes down into Nineveh. He didn't have a problem getting the crowd. He kind of stuck out. Uh, everybody could see him, recognize him, and knew who he was, all right? And so here he comes. He's coming in now. He's gotten right with God. He's uh, going with God, with the will of God, and that's where we're going to pick up. So statement number one tonight, Jonah was brought back to the call of God. Isn't it uh, neat how God says the gifts and callings of God or without repentance? The word repentance there means change of mind, so God is not going to change his mind. You know, if he's called you to do something, you'll always be called to do that. On June 26, 1982, I was sitting in church. God had been dealing with my heart about being a preacher. Now, that's what God dealt with me about, about fulfilling the will of God in my life. Didn't want to do it, had a stammering problem, gave part of that this morning. But did you know, uh, when I surrendered that night, it was on a Sunday night, uh, June 26, 1982, walked the aisle, about 1,500 people was in attendance that night, and I told my pastor, I said, I believe God wants me uh, to be in the ministry. I believe God has called me to preach. Now, uh, I wrestled with that a long time because the stammering problems, the stuttering problems, the lack of confidence, didn't want to be before, did not want to be before people, etc., etc. But it is better to obey God than not to obey God. Uh, God will never, never ask you to do something that he does not equip you. I'll say this, sometimes he doesn't equip you until you step out by faith and start to obey. See, it's all about you being obedient to the Lord. So many people say, well, I can't do this, can't do this, can't do this. How do you know unless you try? How do you know unless you step out? Once you step out and start obeying God, you'd be surprised how God could use you. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says, and the word of the Lord came on to uh, Jonah the second time saying. Now, by the way, he's going to say the same thing the second time that he said the first time. He says, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city. Now there's a great city, I describe that, and preach uh, uh, unto them the preaching that I bid thee. And so he said, I want you to go down there, and I want you simply to do what I tell you to do. Now how hard is that, dear friend, to obey God if you simply do what God says to do? That's not really hard. You don't necessarily have to take a, a class to figure that out. So here's what God did. God changed Jonah's place of service uh, from uh, that which is the prophet, if you would please, of uh, the kingdom, the northern kingdom of Israel. Now he's going to go over and he's going to preach to people that uh, just might not like him, might, look, might not look in favoritism uh, on him. But this is the will of God for his life. So God changed his place. And by the way, you ought to allow God to show you what ministry you can serve in and how God can best use you. Uh, the best thing you could ever do in your life is to take your will, put it in God's will, and say, God, whatever your will is, I'll find happiness. Amen. I'm not looking for happiness. I'm looking for your will. And whatever your will is, that's where I'm going to be content. So if God sends you, uh, if God sends you to uh, some foreign region somewhere on the mission field, uh, you don't have to say, well, I tell you what, God, uh, I, I, I need to be happy and accept it before I go. No, you uh, decide you're going to accept it and go, and then you find happiness along the way. 
Uh, here's what we understand. We understand that God changed Jonah's place of service. We understand that God changed his congregation. You know, he's now not the prophet, if you would please. It's going to be in Israel. Uh, he's not going to be there with the Jewish people, if you will. He's going to be with the Gentile people, and he's going to go uh, there to preach among them, if you will. He's going to preach to the Ninevites. And, and this is going to be a different congregation. Man, it, it really is a blessing. It's a, is this on at all? Uh, it's really a blessing, if you will, uh, to be able to preach to people that smile. That's a blessing. It's a blessing to preach to people that say amen. That's a blessing. It's a blessing to preach, and then somebody responds to the preaching, and somebody comes forward to pray. You don't feel like you're wasting your time entirely, and so that's great. That's a blessing. It's a blessing to walk around and uh, shake people's hands and things of that nature. Oh, man, that's a blessing. But here his whole congregation's going to change. There's going to be people that's going to mock him. There's going to be people that's going to make fun of him. There's going to be people that are going to want to try and stone him and kill him and curse him. Welcome to your new congregation. And so his congregation changes. And then, no doubt, his style of preaching is going to change. Now, there's an urgency in his heart. He knows he's got to get the message out. Now, sometimes people uh, that get saved from the depths of sin are more blunt Sometimes they're more straightforward than those that grew up in Christianity. Uh, you'll find out that if somebody's in the depth of sin, uh, more often than not, I find this to be true. Uh, when they get saved from it, boy, they're just a death on sin. I mean, man, they just preach hard about sin, especially if it's something that they were wrapped up in. Uh, they just don't want anybody else to go there. Why? They've seen the damage. Uh, here Jonah, man, here he is. He's going to preach to those that are the Ninevites and an urgency rises up inside of him. Why? He knows that they need uh, Christ. He knows that they need the Messiah. He knows that they need the truth. And so what's he going to do? He's going to preach it with great fervency and urgency. And so statement number one, uh, Jonah is brought back uh, to the calling of God. Statement number two, uh, Jonah was brought back to the, uh, listen to it now, to the people of his call. The people of his call. Uh, you know, is this one now? Oh, you got me good. And so uh, it, I'm telling you what a blessing it is to be able to preach to people when they agree. I, I, what a blessing that is. I'm telling you, uh, to a pastor, to a preacher uh, of any uh, degree, it's a blessing to preach to people, and all of a sudden the, you, you find out they're listening. They're not playing on their cell phone, not playing games, paying attention. They're looking up. They're letting God speak to their heart. Man, what a blessing. Uh, but here Jonah is not going to face that. He is called to these people. Sometimes God, I believe, calls people to hard places. By the way, people that live in the desert, they need the gospel too. Can I help you out a little bit? People that live uh, in our bus route regions that live in apartments, they need the gospel. People that live in the trailer parks, they need the gospel. Uh, people that uh, live in high-rise apartments in downtown Dallas, they need the gospel. Uh, uh, people, if you will, that live in uh, uh, 500, 600, 700, 800, a million-plus homes, they need the gospel. Uh, a person that's just barely making it, living under a bridge, downtown Dallas, doesn't know if they're going to have enough food to make it to the next day, hadn't taken a bath in three months, they need the gospel. Those that are educated need the gospel. Those that are uneducated 
need the gospel. Uh, red and yellow, black and white, they're precious in his sight. Everybody needs the gospel. And so here Jonah is. He's going to go and he's going to preach against the sins of that wicked city. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 2, the Bible says, Arise and go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach, it says, unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Uh, man of God, hopefully has enough intelligence and wisdom to meet with God and say, God, I want to help the people, but these are your people. Uh, and so God, help me to know what to say. Help me to know how to say it. Help me to emphasize the things you want emphasized. Help me to be able to lessen the things that you don't want emphasized. God, just help me to be used of you. Help me to be surrendered to you. Here, Jonah chapter 3 and verse 3, the Bible says, So Jonah arose and went on to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceeding uh, great city of three days' journey. Now, anybody that has studied the book of Nineveh gets two different interpretations of that. Uh, somebody says, well, Nineveh was so large uh, as it was uh, over 40 miles, if you will, and it would take three days to go from one end of the city to the other end of the city. Uh, somebody else would say it was three days from where he presently was. And just by the sheer nature of the fact of how long it was going to take him to get from where he was to where it is was about the course of three days. We do know this, Jonah chapter 3 and verse 4. Now Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. Now what I get out of that is okay. Let's say it was three days. He made haste, made it there in one day. Oh, you say, that's impossible. All things are possible to him that believe. Yeah. Never get in a hurry? I've been doing the speed limit. You'd be proud. Here I am. I'm doing the speed limit out on the highway, minding my own business. Somebody passes me. I'm thinking, wow, here I am. I'm doing the speed limit. They passed me like I was standing still. Here I'm doing the speed limit, 70, 75 miles an hour, whatever the case may be. Man, they just passed me. They had to be doing 100 miles an hour. Now, can I tell you, they're probably going to get to where they're going if they don't get killed before I get to where I'm going. If we were both heading to the same place, guess what? They beat me because they were going faster. You ever see somebody, all of a sudden there's an accident, then this adrenaline sets in. I've heard of it, I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. All of a sudden, the adrenaline sets in. Here's this little bitty skinny runt of a kid. Here's a car that weighs three tons. Here's a woman trapped underneath the car. Adrenaline sets in. All of a sudden, this little kid walks over and picks up the car. You say, Superman. No, super kid. But the adrenaline set in. When you're excited about something, then you get excited about something that can carry you through. Uh, Brother Butler had picked me up at the airport. I fly out now quite often to preach in different churches around America. And it was Brother Butler's, uh, uh, we were just trading it off from you to him. Remember that? And, uh, and Brother Palmore said, I never want to return. And, and so he picked me up the other day. Brother Butler did 3.30 a.m. 3.30 a.m. That means he had to get up about 2.30 a.m. And I'm so glad we made it to the airport safe. 
And, uh, but uh, he picked me up from the airport. I was coming in off of a preaching thing, and, uh, and we were coming around the bend. There was a guy I told this months and months and months ago, uh, but uh, he was coming around the bend. He was on a motorcycle, had it juiced up, was coming around the bend, and it was an awning, metal awning around that curved area. Somehow, some way, I don't know. He wasn't paying attention. He ran into that metal awning, and it was like a, a magnet that was sucking him to that metal awning all the way around. And he's riding that motorcycle oh, 60 miles an hour, and his leg is hitting that metal awning all the way around, that curve. And so all of a sudden, he comes off the metal awning, shoots down over the bank, falls off of the motorcycle. Uh, Brother uh, Butler and I was following him, not too far behind, maybe just one car in between us and him. And I told Brother Butler, stop, we got to go back, he's hurt. We went back there. Uh, he chopped off his entire foot. Just the meat is hanging. Wait a minute. Adrenaline's coming in. You know what he was trying to do? He's trying to get up. He was trying to get up. I had to uh, almost lay on top of him to keep him to the ground. He didn't need to get up. And so uh, here I am, and uh, man, it's a bloody mess. And so I'm, I'm suppressing him down. I'm trying, but he's, he was strong. Then all of a sudden, some other people stopped. They came along, tried to help. Oh, wait a minute. That was probably not his natural strength. He just wanted to get up and run. Now, can I say, here Jonah is. Uh, Jonah, now all of a sudden, supercharged. Now all of a sudden, Jonah is like, hey, I've got to get back to the calling that God has me. And by the way, when you're at the calling that God has you to be at, you don't care how the people respond. Uh, you don't care if everybody gets right. You don't care if nobody gets right. All you're there to do is to perform the task that God has called you to do, and you can sleep good at night. And that's exactly what Jonah uh, was called to do. So here he does. He runs, if you will please, as quick as he possibly can to get down into that city. And he begins to preach. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 4. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And so here he is. His heart is full. He's entering into a great city. About 600,000 people. About 120,000 children I don't uh, even know enough to uh, judge what is the left hand what is the right hand and as soon as he gets there he begins to fulfill the will of God may I say we should be all excited about fulfilling the will of God I don't always feel like witnessing the people you ever been there I don't always feel like passing out tracts how many of you get up in the morning and you're just so excited about reading your Bible, you just can't wait? I mean, you get up and say, this is it. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. So you run over every morning. You pick your Bible up. You open it up. You begin to read and say, this is wonderful. And you have the holy dance around the kitchen table. I mean, you're just so excited. Normally, that's not true. Normally you drag yourself out of bed, you get your wife to slap you five times, you're barely making it, you find out where the shower is, you're feeling for the water faucet to turn it on, hopefully you hit the right temperature. There's no singing in the shower, there's grunts and there's groanings beyond compare. 
You drag yourself out of the shower. You find the towel somewhere. You dry yourself off. You're trying to put on some decent clothes the right way. Then finally, you're starting to wake up out of your drunken stupor from sleeping all night. You go into that which is the kitchen. You try to find something to eat. Uh, you know, I, most of you don't wake up in sainthood. Here, Jonah now, he's wide awake. You ever have a dream at night that turned into a nightmare? You ever dream that you were falling and falling and falling and all of a sudden you woke up and it's like, oh! That ever happened to you? You ever dream that you were being chased by a car and right before you got run over, they blew the horn? That was nice. And they woke you up, and you woke up with a sweat. Your heart is pounding deep within your chest. Your face is sweating. Your chest is sweating. Your hands are sweating. Your feet are still running. Yeah. You ever dream that you ate too much and blew up? There's nightmares. I'm saying this, here Jonah, man, he lived his worst nightmare. Here he is in the belly of the fish. God prepared the fish. God prepares the times of adversity when we get away from him. And so here he is in the belly of the fish, and the Bible says that he cried out. God heard him. God caused the fish to get an upset stomach, regurgitated, threw him up, here he comes out, a face all acidy, skin completely, the, the pigment of the skin completely changed. But God's will was the most important thing for Jonah. By the way, he didn't have to go through any of that. He didn't have to go through the turbulent times in the water. He didn't have to cause these guys to have stress. He didn't have to get away from God and go down into the belly of the ship where it was dark and he was all alone and by himself. He didn't have to go through that. He didn't have to have God prepare a fish just for him. He didn't have to wind up in the belly of the fish uh, to the point that he made the poor fish sick. What I find out that backslidden people have a tendency to make other people sick. And so here he is, and uh, he makes this poor fish, this big whale sick to the point, to the place when God says, okay, it's time to give him up. That he gave him up. That acid had covered all of his face. And the Bible says in Jonah chapter 3 and in verse 3, So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. And Nineveh was that exceeding great city of uh, three days journey. Then that Bible says in verse 4 that I believe he made it there in one day. Why? Supercharged. Just supercharged. But then here's what you see, statement number next, that Jonah was brought back to the purpose that God called him. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth, and from the greatest of them even to the least of them. And verse 6, the Bible says in the word, it says, came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne. And by the way, that's not a normal thing. He arose from his throne and he laid, it says, uh, his robe from him and he covered him with sackcloth and ashes for seven. 
The Bible says, and he uh, caused, it says, uh, it to proclaim uh, and be published uh, through Nineveh by decree of the king and his nobles, saying, let neither man nor beast nor flock, it says, taste anything, but uh, let them not feed, it says, nor drink water. Look at verse 8. The Bible says, and let, uh, uh, but let man and beast uh, be covered with sackcloth, it says, and cry mightily unto God. And yea, uh, let them, it says, turn every one from his uh, evil way. Well, apparently the preaching's working. The Bible says from the violence, it says that is in their own hands. Look at verse 9. It says, who can tell if God will turn and repent? Again, that word repent there means change his mind. They heard the preaching of Jonah. Man, Nineveh's going to be destroyed. Oh, my dear friend, how many times do we have preachers that grace this pulpit? They preach truth. And yet, you sit there and you know that your family's about to be destroyed and passively you do nothing about it. You know that your life is lying in ruin and you just kind of let it go and passively do nothing about it. It's almost like we live in the age of the, uh, the AIC and age, if you will please, the uh, time when it just seemed like that uh, uh, lethargy has filled the individual person. Now, can I tell you, here's what we see. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 9, the Bible says, and, uh, and uh, who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger uh, that we perish not? Uh, they knew what it was to be able to face that which is the fierce anger of the Lord. They did not want that. Uh, for us that are older, and we've seen great revival sweep into churches, for us that are older, and we've seen people that used to be estranged and far away from God, then all of a sudden, they get right with God, and they get excited about the things of God, and things changes. Things change. I mean, they just change. It's an amazing thing how God will work in an individual's life when that individual decides that they're going to return to the Lord their God. Watch this, and I'm done. We see that Jonah was brought back to the calling of God. Jonah was brought back to the people of his calling. Uh, Jonah was brought back to the purpose of his calling. That's to preach as he entered into that which is Nineveh. Then lastly, you see that Jonah was brought back to the pleasure of God. Uh, Jonah chapter 3 is what we're studying tonight, chapter 3. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10, the Bible says, And God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented. You say, but God can't do that. Oh, God can change his mind anytime God wants to change his mind. May I remind you, please, there was uh, Hezekiah. Hezekiah was ridden with a disease. Remember that? Bible says he got on his bed. He turned his back to the, uh, 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 to the crowd. His face is now facing the wall. And Hezekiah cried out to the Lord, and God, God changed his mind. God gave him 15 more years. God changed his, I've seen God change his mind in people's lives. Honestly, I have. I've seen uh, uh, people ridden with cancer. I've seen people that are on their deathbeds, and all of a sudden God moved in, and God said, I'm going to preserve their life a little bit longer. God can do that. By the way, God is the one that's in charge of the brevity and the lengthiness of life. 
God can do that. That's why I tell people, walk in the will of God. You're safer in the will of God. You're more blessed in the will of God. Oh, you say, but my husband's not walking in the will of God. God expects you. Well, my wife's not walking in the will of God. God expects you. Well, my child's not walking in the will of God. But God still expects you. So many times a parent gets discouraged because they have a young person that's not fulfilling God's will. And they say, well, it's not worth it. Oh, yeah, it is. It's always worth it for you to walk in the will of God. See, the Bible says in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 10, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and watch it, he did it not. Wow. Uh, man, I, I just don't know what I'm going to do. It just seems like that uh, I'm under the very wrath of God, and he did it not. Here's what the Bible says. I'm done. One more verse. James chapter 4 and verse 8, here's what it says. Draw nigh to God, that's our step, and he, talking about God, will draw nigh to you, that's his step. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, purify your hearts, ye double-minded. When you would look at Lot sitting in the gate, you'd say, there's no way he's saved. There is no way. You turn in your Bible, go all the way over. I think it's in the book of James where you turn in your Bible. There's that guy's name again, Lot. You know what God called him? God called him Lot of the righteous. Now, wait a minute. You say, well, how could God do that? Because God did not just cut out a portion of his life and say, that is who you really are. God looked at his entire life and said, Lot, the righteous. I, I read a commentary not too long ago, and I don't often read commentaries, but I was just curious. Uh, and so there's Rahab the harlot, and all of a sudden uh, the men come into the city, and here's what the commentary said. Absolutely 100% wrong said that there was a lady serving God in the city. She had a hotel. When these men came into the city uh, that was sent by God, she checked them into her hotel. False, not true. But isn't it amazing when you turn over to the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 11, God's hallmark of faith. You see people there that you think, that's not right. God should never use somebody like that. Wait, then I get up and I look in the mirror. And when I look in the mirror, I see me. Not raised Christian, got saved at a late age in life, didn't know the Bible well, teenager badgered me about reading the Bible. I read it to get him out of my hair, fell in love with it. Then loved it so much, I, I decided I wanted to go to Bible college to learn it more. Went to Bible college to learn it more. Parents said, you went to a Baptist college. We've changed our mind. You can't come home. Now I'm stuck. Have nowhere to go. Might as well continue one more year. Continue one more year. God started speaking to my heart. I surrendered to preach. After that, 
graduating, going to New York, going to uh, in Brooklyn, New York, where we lived and was a, a youth pastor for years, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. By the way, we led people to Christ in New York. Stay with the thought. We led people to Christ in New York. We're in the middle of God's will. What if I never would have went? Moved to Mississippi, was a youth director there for eight years. What if I never would have led any of those Mississippian people to Christ? And if anybody need Christ, it's somebody from Mississippi. Is that true? And, and so, but what if I would have, uh, she's in Bible college here from Mississippi. And, and so, but what if I never would have uh, been a soul winner in Mississippi? Went to Tennessee. You walk up, shake the hand. Good to see you. Small town. I could count more cows than people. It's true. But I never would have met the Loftons. No, that's a good thing. I got three people saying, oh, man. <laughs> that's a good thing. It really is. It's a good thing. We never would have ran buses because the church didn't run buses before I came. They got rid of the bus ministry many years ago. We started bus routes. Melissa rode in from Kentucky, right? Tennessee, Kentucky, Alaska. She rode one of her buses. Mike rode another bus route in. They met in the youth department, stared at each other, later got married, uh, went in helping Randy Taylor around America, did a great job there. God sent him here. Hey, wait a minute. None of that ever would have happened if I'd not obeyed God's will. Come on. Brother Craig, on staff now here, one of my young men in the church way back when, never would have happened. Uh, he's discouraged, getting ready to drop out of college. He'll remember. Came to me, said, what do I do? I said, here's what you do. He stayed in college, did what he was supposed to do, transferred to another college, graduated. God's used him ever since. Went into evangelism. Man, saw people saved here. Saw people saved here. Saw uh, now over 2,700 teenage boys to walk an aisle and surrender to preach under a sermon that I preached. That's a different sermon, but you know, a sermon. And we've seen uh, well over 100 churches, independent Baptist churches started on the foreign field. It never would have happened. Now, it's not easy. It's not always fun. You don't always get all the sleep you want. You have to put up with problem after problem and listen to uh, distressed people. And mm, sometimes it's nerve-wracking and, and, uh, because you've got a burden for them. And then, you know, you, you try and walk beside them in their marriages and walk beside them in their funerals and walk beside them as a friend and counsel them and love them and inspire them to try and do something for God. It's not always easy. And all of a sudden, Dr. May called. He said, I just kind of believe that uh, God has me walking down my finishing path right here. Brother Owens was in his office. It was doing a youth revival that they used to call it years ago. Brother Owens was in his office, said, I know a guy. I think you need to consider him. Brother May called me up, said, would you consider coming? I said, coming where? He said, to Texas. I said, Texas don't need preachers. They're all saved. 
Uh, by the way, this used to be the Bible Belt. Dr. May made a statement I never forgot. He said, uh, we used to do the, uh, be the Bible Belt, but we've lost our buckle. Yeah, that's what he said. So they tried to convince me. He said, no, come down and at least see. Don't say no. Come see. Come see. Come see. Come see. That's what they did in the Bible. Come see. Yeah. So I make you a deal. I said, uh, if you want me to come preach in your church, I'll come preach in your church. But let's not do this view of a call or nothing like this. Just, you know, I, I'll come see. I came down. I preached. I think it was a revival or something like that. I don't quite remember. Uh, God started stirring our hearts. God knit us together. I can't begin to tell you how many people, I'm not talking about leading people to Christ on the bus ride as their buses go out. I'm not talking about that. I'm thanking God for every bus route that we have. Amen. I'm not talking about the many people who go out soul winning. I'm not talking about that. I thank God for that. That's wonderful. But just the people I've had the privilege to lead to Christ or to have an influence over because of Bible principles. Now, I'm saying this. I'm saying that uh, uh, we have to decide individually that we're going to draw nigh to God. And as we decide that we draw nigh to God, here's what God does. God draws nigh to us. But it's drawing nigh to God inside of the will of God. Yeah, I'm 58. Can't wait till it flips. And hopefully at uh, 85, it flipped, 85. I'll still be preaching. Loving people, going soul winning, I'll move slower. My brain will function maybe less. But I hope the heart never changes. See, all of a sudden, Jonah's heart changed. Instead of saying, I'll, get, I'll take my time and get there. It's going to take me three days. I believe he got there in one, supercharged probably found one of those supercharged camels. As everybody else is riding the slow donkeys, he's, who was that? I don't know. Looked like Jonah to me. Now, I'm saying this. I'm saying that when you find the will of God, it might be a Sunday school class for you. And by the way, the will of God is not always thrilling. It, 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 it really hurt my heart when Brother Hooker said in this church auditorium where we have soul winning he said the average person only lasts three and a half to five years in being a dedicated soul winner anybody beyond that has true character and love for God but the average person three to five years and then they disappear or oh, they'll do other things but they drop the soul winning man that broke my heart I read a statistic recently in Baptist churches generally Generally, in other words, considering all Baptist churches, hard shell Baptist, soft shell Baptist, missionary Baptist, Southern Baptist, independent Baptist, any type of Baptist that you mentioned, the average church member in a Baptist church in the United States of America only lasts seven years. After about seven years, they start to become unfaithful. Now, let me tell you, did you know marriages in America at this point are only lasting nine years. Then they crash and burn. Now, can I, that's average. Now, let me tell you, what can make the difference, what can make the difference is you don't quit when the honeymoon stage is over. We still believe the Bible and practice the Bible even though it's not always thrilling. 
I'm telling you, when I get up in the morning uh, and I read my Bible, <clears throat> it's not always a thrill. Especially getting First Chronicles, Second Chronicles. I'm in Second Chronicles right now. You know, I'm finishing up Second Chronicles in my Bible read. Can I tell you? It's it's just not. Wow, I can't wait. Tomorrow morning, I'm back in Chronicles. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hello, Chronicles. <laughs> But can I tell you, listen, but you do it because you know God can help you with it. Yes. And we stay faithful, loving the Lord, following his will, his will, because we know it's just the right thing to do. Father, bless, we pray. Thank you for today. Thank you for the privilege to gather with you. Thank you for joining us today. For more audio or video content, you can visit our website at parksidebaptist.org.